0: Good evening. Good to be back. This lecture, Bezrat Hashem, will be Lefuat Ruvin Ben Chava, Veiloi Nishmat Sofia Sonia Batzara, Veiloi Nishmat Binyamin Ben Eibech, Veiloi Nishmat Binyamin Choksay Ben Avraham le אבידי אגון, הגון לרובן חיים בן פרל. זיווג הגון ומירה. הצלחה טובה בתחווה, מיכל בתובה, סוואן בתובה, should be united together soon. and also לילדים, children for Abigail bat Aviva, Ein Ayala bat ברכה. Also, Le Dakala Easy Birth, delivery to Liora, Bat Avraham, and Refuah Shlema to Miriam Bat Rachel. <laughs> Tof. Baruch Hashem. Three weeks since the Democrat took over the control in America, and the the President of United States. Joe Biden, known as Sleepy Joe, did not call Benjamin Netanyahu yet. He's putting him on a ban. He's in harem. Trump, you know, right away, they were very good team together. Their hate to Trump is so high that everyone that was good with Trump is their enemy. And already speaking to all kinds of leaders, include all kinds of leaders from Iran, the cancer of the world, there's no problem speaking to them. And they joined the Human Rights Committee of the United Nations, which basically has only one reason to be existed. What is it? <inaudible> to fight Israel. Immediately they joined them back, because Trump left them, because he knew there are a bunch of anti-Semites. So basically everything he has done so far is against Israel, against the Jewish nation, and half of his team are reformed Jews. If you can call them Jews, for me, they're not Jewish. There's no question about it. But that's the situation right now. As, As I told you, it's only gonna get worse. It's getting worse by the minute. No phone call, no conversation. What happened, Netanyahu saw That's the case. Spoke today to Putin. Let's become better friends. We don't have any more friends in America. We might as well become better friends with Russia. We get alone, you know, most of the time. If you ask my opinion, should have done it a long, long time ago, 20 years ago. If they would become friends with Putin, which is the real leader in the world, not like the Americans, the only good with speaking, when it comes to action, they always do the opposite of what you need to do. If Israel would have good relationship with Putin, we wouldn't have to worry so much about Iran and Syria and all these things, I think. Problem is that they look at us as half enemies. Why? Because we are in a pocket of America. That's it. That's the bottom line. It's all politics. Three weeks, now one word with the with the Prime Minister of Israel. Who knows how many more weeks it's going to take? Unfortunately, as you know, more than 3 million people in Israel got the vaccine and the numbers are not coming down. Nobody knows. They tested people that got the vaccine. 0.06% of them got Corona. Almost nothing. Zero point zero six. It's six out of ten thousand after got the vaccines. So that's actually pretty good with the vaccine companies. They say that they cover ninety-five percent, ninety-two percent, which is good. Obviously they didn't say they have hundred percent success. So zero point zero six percent of the Israeli who got the vaccines, two shots they got Corona after that again, which is very encouraging numbers. So why overall the numbers are not going down? Because remember, in the end, it's all Hashem's decision. Not nature, not virus, not vaccine, none of the above. This is only cover-up. The decision was made on Rosh Hashanah a year and a half ago that uh, 5,000 people will die. And this year in Rosh Hashanah, we don't know how many so far. We don't know. But the decisions are made. And it has to happen. That's it. Once Hashem signed it, it must happen. If it won't happen through Corona, it will happen through accidents. It won't happen through accidents. It will happen through flu. All kinds of other things. It can be a terror attack, missiles, rockets, Arab terrorists. Did you realize uh, one year in Israel there was no attacks? The Arabs are busy with Corona. So instead of Arab killing us, the virus is killing us. Does it make a difference for you how to get uh, killed? Does it make a difference? you have any preferences? Does it, do you want Ahmed to come with his knife? Or you want a little tiny microscopic vi- virus? The answer we don't want any of. But if chas Shalom, it was already decreed, does it make a difference. It makes one difference, the ego. When Ahmad shooting us, the ego is boiling. When the virus is killing us, there's no ego involved. You understand? Actually, I should take it back. There's a lot of uh, lunatics that they are addicted to YouTube conspiracies. Oh, that's all they do all day. In my opinion, a lot of them need mental help. It's no question. Mental help they need. Urgent. Urgent. These people became danger to society. But unfortunately, it's not only lunatics. It's some people also that you would expect them to be smart and to have some common sense. Among them, some rabbis even... People who are known to be rabbis in Israel speak about all these conspiracies with their nonsense until one of them was declared today the number one enemy of the Israeli health department. I warn him that that's what's going to be his end. In America, they would already put him out. They would send probably the CIA to kill him. Why? They will give him a warning, tell him, because of you people are dying you're convincing people not to get vaccine and many people died because of it. Stop with your nonsense once or twice and that's it. That's what they do here in America. The government don't like you. They go after Israeli citizens. It's not once and not once or twice it happened. In Israel, Baruch Hashem, the government is not that dirty to go and kill its own citizen, at least not that we know of. We never was found out that they went against their own citizen. So we'll see what's gonna happen with him. I don't know what they're gonna do with him. But I warned him, I told him the, I sent him through a messenger, a message that what he does is very dangerous. Because a lot of people look highly at him because he's good in alternative medicine. What does it have to do with alternative medicine and vitamins and how to eat healthy to understand about the vaccines? Two different worlds. What What you don't know about, don't talk. The expert already spoke. Besides the fact that on the top rabbis in the world, they all rule to, to get it, and that's it. This argument, Bezrat Hashem, may not be relevant for so for long. But should we take the vaccine or not? I think that in the next few weeks, this argument will die out, for only one good reason: that an Israeli company announced that they already have the cure for Corona. The claim is 100%. They have a cure. 30 people in very bad condition in a hospital was treated by this medicine. 29 of them came out within one to two days out of the hospital, healthy. And one came out after four days. One woman, it took her longer than the other 29. So that's basically 100% success. It's going to come out soon. They applied now for approval. They're going to get the rushed approval and they say within weeks they can have enough of this medicine for the entire world because it's very cheap, inexpensive, and if if it's true, maybe the mercy of Hashem will kick in. Maybe we'll be able to just have the cure for those who get it and that's it. Nobody has to argue, should I get the shot, should I not get the shot. People killing each other over it. You have to see some of the emails that I got. If you have the cure, you're not going to need vaccine anymore. Right now, the vaccine was given because there was no cure. But now they just announced yesterday that they, they made an experiment on 30 Israeli patients in bad condition, meaning in life risk. They were in life risk. And all 30 came out of the hospital healthy. 29 came within a day to two days, meaning about day, a day and a half. I don't have to tell you that it's a miracle what happened here. So that's very good. Hopefully, you know, there is all these, uh, the medicine that President Trump was treated with is uh, medicine against mal- malaria. The problem is that some good doctors say that it can kill you. It can also kill you. It may cure you from corona if if has Shalom you're about to die, but at the same time it can take a person and kill him. It's not a perfect medicine. It's medicine for emergency. If you die anyway, you might as well try it. What do you have to lose? We don't want this kind of medicine. If I die anyway, I might as well take it. No. We want medicine that you take it and you know it's going to work and that's it. And you the next day you're out of bed. Let's hope, Israel Hashem, that the Israeli news it's uh, it's true. It's very interesting because the Israelis did not even release their vaccines yet. One thing I saw: this company Johnson and Johnson. They released their vaccine a week ago, and they announced that they have 60. 66% success. 66. I was thinking to myself, if Pfizer say 95 and Moderna say 92 or 95, why bother even release a vaccine that has only sixty-six percent, uh, 66% success? So I started to think, what's behind it? First of all, who would even want to announce that you only have such a such low number of success which leads me to believe that they cannot lie because I was always thinking maybe Phaser is lying maybe Moderna is lying maybe it's not 95% reliable maybe it's only 50% reliable you can say any number you want. apparently it's not so simple I guess whatever they announce it's been, te- it's been tested and I can, they're probably subject to huge fine if they're going to find that their information is uh, misleading the public. That's why Johnson & Johnson had to come and say the truth. Maybe you can cheat by 1% or 2%. There is a range. But if you really have a uh, 40% success, you cannot say 90 Because they're going to check and see that it's not working. So at least now you know that when they publish those numbers, at least there is a high chance that it's true. And if there is 95%, it's very good. The vaccine can save the world, even without the Israeli invention and the medicine. The vaccine can save the world. So far, nobody knows to explain how in Israel still 36 people died today from Corona. Three million got it. Everyone from 50 and above got it. How people are dying Still, a lot of people are dying and getting it. They don't have a, a, an answer. Some say this, some say that. Nobody really knows. Hashem decided to confuse the world in such level that nobody will know anything. from the best doctor in the world, to the greatest scientist in the world, to the dumbest people in the world. Nobody knows anything. That's really the truth. We're all guessing. We guess that that's what's going to be, and this is what's going to be. It's not. So far, so far, so bad. It's really no good news yet. Let's wait and see. In the meantime, the damage is hundreds of billions of shekel. 72 years of success in Israel, taking a country that was built on swamps, Desert, swamps, malaria, mosquitoes, people are dying from fever, taking the the worst, the worst quality of land in the whole world. Nobody wanted to live there. Besides few Arabs that were there. Just come, take it. For a few dollars, save us from this misery. Two thousand years, nobody can grow a tree. So everybody dies. Some Ashkenazi Hasidim came from Europe, and they started to buy Israel with peanuts. This is how Hashem made it, that when we come back to the land, we will be able to buy it for a price of falafel. You know, in Israel, in the north of Tel Aviv, one acre of land is $300 million over there. One acre, which can build a huge building, or two, two buildings on such property, $300 million. These Ashkenazim bought it for the price of a bottle of water. The Arabs thought, where did these crazy Jews came from? <laughs> that they would like to buy swamps. So the Arabs, you know how they measure the land? They didn't need to go to the town or to the city and to bring a, a, a specialist to measure with a laser. No. With a rope. They had a rope. They went around. One meter, two, three... Four, five, he went around. How many? 10,000 meter. How much? $1,000. The whole thing. Here. Sign the paper, finished. Ahmed, out of here. Go and try to buy it today. The same area. <laughs> Billions of dollars. That's how Hashem designed it in such a way that... that Poor Jews. They were not billionaires. They came back to Israel and they bought it for nothing. Any other way, it would cost billions even back then. You know what it needs to buy the whole Tel Aviv, to buy the whole north of Erzeliya, all these areas, very expensive places right by the beaches over there. Hashem designed it in such a way. The Arabs wouldn't know what to do. And then these Jews came, they had an idea, they planted trees, they dried all the swamps. 72 years later, Israel is one of the most advanced countries in the whole world, with the healthiest economy. Everyone is bragging, these arrogant Israelis with their show-off, from the Prime Minister to all the doctors and the scientists and the big shot companies, Everybody, we, 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 non-stop on the news. Now one gratitude word to Hashem. Just we. And comes Hashem with a microscopic virus, wipe them all out. It will take now another 72 years to go back to the situation that we had a year ago. Last March, 72 years it will take now of hard work to go back to what we were a year ago in March. Not even a year. It's 11 months. Everything, success of 72 years, of millions of people, the best brains in the whole universe, all together in high-tech, in in computer, in all kinds of uh, artificial intelligence, and anything you can think of, medicine, unbelievable brains in Israel. Everything, almost every invention in the world comes from the Israeli mind. Go and check. It's unbelievable. It used to be Japan, remember 30, 40 years ago? Japan, Korea. Now everybody knows. Apple, Microsoft, all, all these companies. They have their, home, their big offices in Israel. Non stop, non stop little children. You have to see how, how what apps they made. Sixteen years old kids. I don't know where they have the brain for it. One guy just made an app, combine WhatsApp, Telegram, Signal, all this come all of them into one one screen. You can get all your messages on one screen. A little kid. He didn't go to the army yet. It's unbelievable. With all this talent, with this brilliance, we're back to square one. Why? That's what Hashem decided. You're going to continue with your sins, continue with your crimes against my Torah. You will go up, 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 up. Boom, I'll crush you down to the beginning. You go up, 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 up. i smash you again. You go back to the beginning. Again and again and again. Chaval. Throughout history is the same story. Came to Israel, we built Bet HaMikdash, we go to the top of the universe, boom, smashed us, threw us out from Israel. Slaves in Babylon. Then again, come back, build the second temple, again, great days of glory, boom, back to square one, get out of here. Go to Rome, be slaves over there, and to Egypt. 2,000 years of exile, coming back to Israel, building the most advanced country in the world. Boom, back to square one, almost. We're not there yet. But all the financial gain is all went down the drain. We are in a 200 billion shekel deficit right now. And remember, Israel did not give their citizens what the Americans gave they don't give hundreds of dollars a week to every citizen. Once or twice they gave a little bit, very little. The damage is mainly from the businesses that are closed. From flights, from tourism, from millions of people now working. There's no production. Imagine if Israel would still have to give each one of their citizens $800 a week. Then it would be a trillion, trillion dollar deficit by now, after a year. They didn't give. As a big mystery how people survive. I see on the groups. Family needs money for food. They don't have money for bread. For bread. How much a bread costs? A dollar. They don't have money for bread. Yes, there are cases like this. But so far now one person died from starvation. Over a million people are unemployed because of Corona. So far, nobody died from starvation. How? I don't know how. Good people, I guess, bring food. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't have an explanation. Besides a miracle of Hashem, there's no other way to explain it. I want to tell you a story, and then we start to speak about some other things. First of all, you should know, unfortunately, last week, a two-year-old kid drowned in a jacuzzi, close to Yerushalayim, in a private neighborhood. How a two years old drown in jacuzzi? It's not indoor jacuzzi, it's outdoor jacuzzi. That was covered, has a cover, completely covered. Obviously, people know, jacuzzi, if you have a two years old kid, it's going to fall into the water, it's going to die. People are not dumb. So how did he drown anyway if it was covered? All of a sudden there was a massive amount of rain. The rain on the cover was so high, so heavy, that it brought the cover down into the water. And there was like a, like a little pool on top of the cover. It was not stretched, I guess, enough. It could not take the weight of the water. One little detail nobody thought about. And this poor baby went in and drowned. Same day another baby, eight, eight months old, drowned also. He didn't die. The first one died. This one did not die. Hundreds of kids drowned in Israel in the last ten years. Hundreds of babies. That's besides so many who were left in a car and got cooked to death. Shocked. In a a heat, parents forgot their children for an hour or two in a car. In in 110 degrees, I don't have to tell you, the car became an oven. And a lot of these babies died. Baruch Hashem, the Israeli brain, as I told you, is responsible for all the inventions that you basically know, almost all of them. They invented now something new in the new cars that came out. You cannot anymore forget babies in a car. There is a special sensor that if it will detect, once you lock the car, it detect the person is in a car, the car will hunk or beep, make sirens. It will, the, the, the special detection, it detects human uh, heat of a human body, I don't know exactly how it's designed. It can save life of hundreds of babies in Israel alone. In a world, it can save the life of millions of babies. I don't think there is a worse tragedy for mother or father to forget a baby in a car and come back three hours and see the baby is dead. I, I don't know if you can ever come back to normal life after something like this. I've seen already some cases that parents eat their own children with a car going reverse, so There's a baby behind the car. They killed their own child or their own grandchildren. It happened a few times. I don't have to tell you about the guilt when a person is going crazy all his life. It's a double punishment. One thing you lose, the most dear thing to you. Second is the way you lose it gives you no rest even four years later. You have no rest. Mentally, it destroys you mentally. I... Mm-hmm. To see all these things every day, it's, it's a killer. Today, Shoshana Ovitz, a Holocaust survivor, passed. Haredi, ultra-Orthodox woman, she was 105 years old. Today she passed in Israel. She left behind her more than 400 children and grandchildren and grand-grand-grandchildren one Orthodox Jewish woman in three generations became more than 400 people. Reform Jews, one person becomes tenth of a person. Going reverse. Ten reformed people in one generation become one. In five generations, a thousand reformed people become zero. They're all gone, they're all assimilated. Nothing is left from them. If you once saw, I put on my Facebook page the chart. One, one Orthodox Jew normally become 1064 by the fourth generation. I don't know, by it was only 400, it should have been more. But Baruch Hashem, 400. The people who fight the religion and fight the religious people in Israel, they forgot one very important detail. In one or two generations from now, only, only ultra-orthodox religious Jews will survive. There will never be any more secular Jews in two generations from now. They all will be goyim. They all marry the goyim already. They leave Israel. They go to places all over America. They marry non-Jews. Their children will not be Jewish. They grow up here in America, in Europe, I don't know where. Nothing will be left from them. And even those who live in Israel, many of them marry Goim because half of Israel are Goim. <laughs> that's the sad news. I brought 800,000 Russian Goim from Russia. So they marry a lot of these Russian women, and that's the situation right now. The only ones that will remain Jewish are the very Orthodox Jews. Not modern orthodox, not conservative, not reform, and not secular. They all will be gone. Guarantee. None of them will be left. The only ones that will be left are the ultra-orthodox, Hasidim, Litvi, Svaradim. That's it. That's the reality. So they can scream as much as they want. Nothing will be left from them, all these secular people. The only one that will survive in two generations from now, those who stuck to the Torah. Those who taught their children, you must stay what Hashem told us to stay. Nothing to do with racism, nothing to do with prejudice. This is the orders of the Torah. You must stay, my children, by staying together one nation. You're not uh, permitted to mix with anybody else. And those who will understand that will survive. And those who won't, unfortunately, they will not be around. You should know, I decided to tell you today a story that I heard from one guy in our community in Muncie. to give us an example how Hashem wants each one of us to be. I spoke about it many times over the years, but it's good to see that it's actually happening once in a blue moon. In Monsi, we have an our community, a guy. His name is Yosef Benishu. What's his job? Locksmith, making car keys. You know, car keys have a special, intelligent chip inside. It's expensive to make cars today, car keys. So he got into that business of making keys. He lives in Muncie. And he, the name of his company is Prime Car Key. Prime Car Key. A week ago, He had a massive accident with his car. If I'm not mistaken, he hit a deer in high speed. Messed up his entire van. The van is disabled completely. What do you do if you have a van and you have keys and you go to places from place to place to duplicate keys and your van is off service, you're basically off you have no income. What happened? His competitor, there is one competitor in the area from Pasek, New Jersey. What's his name? Daniel Bressel, the owner of the company Captain Carkey. Captain Carkey from Pasek, New Jersey, a religious guy. When he heard that his competitor, Had an accident with his van, he called him up, how can I help you, I would like to help you, I don't have a van, take my van, free, use it as long as you need it, until you'll be able to fix your own van, it's competitor, not a stranger, not a friend. How many times over the years I heard people came to me and complain. He opened a store across the street. He opened in town. How can they do it to me? Even about yeshivot. Why would he open yeshiva in the same town? Why can't he go to a different town? There's already yeshiva here. Why do you open a shul in the same area? We already have here. It's going to make minyanim difficult. You know, all these things. You hear about it nonstop. But this guy... He's not just learning about emunah. He's living according to the emunah of the Torah. And he gave him a vent. And he said, use it as long as you need. Here is the place to add. After I was shocked from the story, he told me, I want to tell you something else. When I started the business, he was the only one. When I opened the business, meaning I'm becoming his competitor, he called me up. How can I help you to get into the business? And he lent me a machine that costs $10,000 that makes keys. Use it. And I used it for three months until I was able to do it on my own. Now what do you think? This Tzaddik, Daniel, I don't know him, I never saw him. I just wrote myself the details. This Tzaddik from Pasek, Daniel, what do you think? Do you think Daniel would lose one penny from running to help his competitor? Or in the long run, not only won't lose, Hashem is going to bless him with such blessing? What will Hashem give him? Maybe a lot of money, Maybe the best children you can have. Maybe we'll save him for who knows what. Hashem has plenty of ways to pay back a person that deserves a reward. This is what happened with the chazonish. When one person came to the chazonish and said, Rabbi, I can't take it. I have a supermarket. It took me years to build it. And now the guy is opening across the street What's going to happen? Maybe you write a letter. Maybe you call him not to continue. It's not fair. Why would he open right next to me? The chazvanish told him, why don't you go and help him out? Ask him what does he need? Maybe he needs some numbers of suppliers. Maybe sometimes he run out of merchandise. He can borrow from you. Rabbi, I'm coming to cry to you about my future and you tell me about going to help my competitor. That's when a told him, you really think that your parnasah comes from your business? Do you really think so? How do you make a living? I'm a real estate broker. How do you make a living? I'm a, I'm a car service. How do you make a living? I'm a doctor. How do you make a living? I'm a lawyer. Everybody who answers like this without realizing is an infidel. It's a kofir. Somebody asks you how do you make a living and you say because I'm a doctor or because I went to university because I'm educated you denying what the Torah say. The Torah say King Solomon better than me, right? Billion times trillion times better. Only Hashem knows how many times. He writes law Lechem. wisdom does not bring parnasa. think oh this guy is genius that's why he makes millions and how many fools make more than him how many soccer players they just published this week the whole world is talking about it there is a player midget like this small Argentinian plays somewhere in Europe you know how much money he made Six hundred and sixty million dollars in four years about a hundred and about a hundred and forty million a year that's basic salary basic salary from commercials and all kinds of contracts with adidas and all this company he makes a lot more that means he makes. Over a billion dollars, probably a year. Or half a billion. How genius he is! If he knows how to write his name, I'll be surprised. What made him a billionaire? He knows how to play very well, to kick a ball. Wisdom? No. Wisdom doesn't bring money. How many professors in Mahon Weitzman make $4,000 a month? invent the most advanced things in the world for their bosses, for the Israeli government. Invent missiles, infrared eyes, shipped, nano, all kinds of things, electronic. How much they make? I go to Rehovot when I go to Israel where my mother lives. I dove in with them, with all these doctors and professors. It's right next to Machon Weitzman. Some of them are modern Orthodox people. I see how simple they live. The most simple life. None of them is a billionaire. Not everybody came to America to work for Uncle Sam and make millions. In Israel, they make very modest salary. The greatest brains in the world. There is one guy over there. He built the entire cyber unit of the Israeli army. One guy. Sometimes he speaks on on Shabbos. Religious guy. Nice guy. Somebody like that in America would have at least a billion dollar cash in his bank account. Do you know the Israeli cyber unit is the most advanced unit in the whole world? The new war is not going to be conventional war. It's all cyber now. 90% of what the countries fight with each other, it's spies and cyber. Like the Iranians, which are also very good, not as the Israelis, they made the electric company shut off a few hours in certain places in Israel, from Iran, from their computers, which is very concerning. They have the ability to shut the electric in Israel, who knows, maybe we can put a virus there one week, no one will have electric. I don't have to tell you what it can lead to. Not only that, they have the ability to go into big companies, and plant some kind of malicious software over there, it's called ransom. They lock the computer, 100,000 customers, officers in the army, politicians, ministers, they get all their information, driver's license, social security, and they say, you have to pay us a million dollars or 10 million if now we publish all the information. They did it to an insurance company in Israel, they refused to pay them. They published thousands of numbers of driver's license all over the Internet. Thousands of Israelis with the most sensitive information was published to the whole world from Iranians hackers. If the Iranians can do such thing, imagine what the Israelis do. A few years ago in Iran, they said that their nuclear uh, program was attacked seriously, and he pushed them back two, three years. Otherwise, they would have a bomb already. Now, the new regime in America says that in two to three months Iran will have a bomb. A few weeks. Because they enrich uranium. They're very, very close to a bomb. I know that it's just the thought of these Iranians having a nuclear bomb gives all of you serious goosebumps, I know that. But remember, everything Hashem does is always much, much more advanced and deep than what we can understand. It looks very bad. For people like us, what do we know from our life? If somebody asked you, would you like Iran to have a bomb, yes or no? Everybody would say no. Even the lefties of Israel probably would say no. Even though they love them very much and they want to see the destruction of Israel, they want to see the destruction of Israel as long as it doesn't touch them. So they won't want the Iran to have a nuclear bomb. That's what I believe. But who's to say maybe it's the best thing that it can happen to us? What can be great about Iran having a bomb? What can be so great about it? When they come one day to use it against us, it can explode in their own face. What we could not do in a thousand years, they will do to themselves. That's one option. How do you know Hashem's plans? Aipaleme Hashem Davar, there's anything Hashem cannot do? That's one option. Maybe something will happen to them like happened in Ukraine. Remember one time there was a leak? in a nuclear facility, millions of of Russians, Ukrainians, whatever they got. Chernobyl, Chernobyl. Until today, they can't grow any tree over there. People became mongoloids, all kinds of damage, brain damage. Generations later, two generations later, still have consequences of this leak. It was only a leak from a nuclear facility. How do you know? Maybe that's what Hashem plans. I give you another option. Maybe Hashem finally wants to put the arrogance and the ego of the Israeli down on their knees. That they fight the Torah and fight the religion non-stop. Maybe it's about time they lower their ego. Because imagine, when Iran has a bomb, the, the days that you can tell them what to do and attack them as much as you want is over. Right now you attack them in Syria, there's nothing they can do. They don't have the ability to get into a war with us, Yet. But if they'll have a bomb, they're crazy. I don't have to tell you their Muslim radical agenda. They can say to the Israel, you think you're scaring us? Wipe out seventy million Iranians. We don't care. As long as we wipe you out also. They're all gonna run to France, all these Ayatollahs. And that's it. They don't care about their own people. You see what they do to their own citizens right now? They torture them day and night. You think they care? They believe that uh, all, in all kinds of Muslim radical beliefs, that they should destroy the world, they should destroy the Zionists, it should, it should destroy Jews and Christians, they have all these crazy beliefs. How do you know? Maybe finally people will do tshuva. The Gemara say, one of the ways Hashem can make all of us do tshuva is put a king on top of us that, that his decrees will be worse than Haman. The decrease of Haman, imagine worse decrease than that. By the way, in case you don't, you think who it is, the answer could be Ahmadinejad. He's going to be the president of Iran again. He's leading in a polls now. They made a survey, most Iranians will vote for this evil Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. We thought we got rid of him. Is back full force. And I don't have to tell you this guy, what's on his mind. He, didn't, he never hid it in his speeches. So we don't know, Rabotai. We really don't know. Corona, Iran, Sleepy Joe, we don't know what's going to happen. Remember what I told you two weeks ago. We have nobody to count on as of Who knows when? Only on Hashem. That's it. Now it's clear. Everybody knows that now. There's nobody to count on. Who are you going to count on? Baruch Hashem, two days ago we read in uh, Parashat Yitro, Parashat Matan Torah, there are two famous converts in the history. There are many, but two of them highlight the most. One of them is Root and one of them is itro. You had Nevuzardan, who was also big Baal Tshuva. have Rachav, she was great Baal Tshuva. Yohev Shmaya. Neftalion Rabbi Meir comes from Converts, Rabbi Akiva. There's a lot of famous names. So Gohim contributed to the Jewish nation some of the greatest, most righteous people ever lived. Or some of the biggest Baalei in history. Two of them I would like to speak now. One of them is Itro Jetro in English. And one of them is Ruth. Who was greater? If you put them on a scale, Itro and Ruth, they both unbelievable converts. They left their environment, they left their religion, and they came and they joined the Jewish nation. Which one of the two is a little bit higher in his spiritual level? Ruth or Itro? You may ask, how are we supposed to know? Only Hashem knows the answer to such a question. You ask, who is bigger tzaddik, Reuven or Shimon? It looks like Reuven is a bigger tzaddik. How do I know? Hashem only knows. Maybe this guy has some zekhuyot uh, that we don't know about. He could be. He may be, be a very big bal tzedaka. His money creates for him a lot of s'chuyot, lots of merits. You know, there's no way to know 100%. Ruth has the merit that the Messiah will come from her. The Mashiach will come from Ruth. Itro was a father-in-law of the most important person he ever lived, Moshe Rabbeinu. His daughter married Moshe Rabbeinu. And not only that, there is an extra parasha in the Torah named after it all. Such an honor Hashem gave him. The parasha that describes the Matan Torah, receiving the Torah, is named after this ex-goi. The question is, what's higher that the Mashiach will come out of you? And the whole world will come to his correction, or that you have one chapter in the Torah named after you. If you ask me, the Messiah is much more substantial than a chapter in the Torah named after you. How do I know? There's also a chapter in the Torah named Parashat Balak. <laughs> it, was a, it was a little Hitler. <laughs> So, just because the parasha is named after you is not the greatest achievement in the whole world. Not yet. It's different from Parashat Balak to Parashat, to Parashat uh, Yitro, because Itro it's a positive parasha where we receive the Torah. And the Torah speaks very highly about him, unlike Bilam, that the Torah speaks very negative about it. But the question is why Itro did not have the merit that the Mashiach would come from him. Who was a seeker of the truth? Ruth or Itro? Who was higher when it comes to chasing the truth? I'll tell you what the Torah tells us about both of them. When it comes to Itro, the Torah says that Itro... There, was, there is now one idol worshipping service that he did not perform. Every idol that existed in his time, he was an expert in this idol worshipping. Some of us say, even, I think I actually also myself said in the past, that Yitro was like the Pope of those days like you have the Pope, imagine how the Pope comes to the Vatican on a Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, senoras and senores, I have news for you. What? I decided to convert. Christianity is false. I'm making aliyah to Israel and I'm joining yeshiva. Do not call me anymore with your nonsense. Okay? I'm moving to Israel. Wow, imagine what, what shock the world will have. What happened in the time of Itro is similar to this. is the master of Avodah Zarah of the whole generation. But the truth is that's actually underestimating Itro. Itro is much higher than the Pope of today if the Pope would convert. Because the Pope is an expert in one idol worshiping religion, which is Christianity. That's it. He doesn't know anything about Islam. He doesn't know about Buddhism and Hinduism and the rest of the 80,000 nonsense religions and cults. He asked the Pope, tell me about Buddhism. What do I know about Buddhism? He read a little bit about it, about it in Google. That's all he knows. What does he know? Tell, him, uh, tell us about Krishna. No idea. Tell us about this. Tell us about that. No idea. All I know is the Catholic religion. That's it. Itro was an expert in every one of those fake religions. This and this and this. How? What was that? A hobby? Did he just enjoy to learn? You have some professors in a university in Israel. What's your profession, Israeli professor? I'm an expert for religions and cultures. He knows about this and he knows about that, but that's his job. He makes money of it. He's not practicing it. He may tell you about Christianity or Islam, but he's not Muslim and he's not Christian. He throws everything. One day is Christian, one day is Muslim, one day is Hindu, one day... Anything existed, he did. And he left everything... And came to convert. Ruth, Ruth, she and another woman named Orpah married two Jews, two religious Jews, Machlon and Kilion. They had a father that he died and they moved out of Israel. It was, the economy was not so good. Democrats took over. And they decided to run away You know, maybe we move out of Israel, business is not so good. They moved to overseas and they found two beautiful goyot, Ruth and Orpah. They married them. Then they died. Hashem killed both of them. And now they stayed in good connection to their mother-in-law Naomi. And she said, I'm going back to to my people. They walked with her. Then she convinced them, Nah, why would you chase me? Go back to your country, go back to your city. Orpah turned around, she went. That night, she became pregnant, and who was born? Goliath. Goliath Aplishti Came from here. All kinds of bad things about her, let's not get into it. She went from high level to below zero. Overnight. Ruth was consistent. She said, I'm not going anywhere. Your God is my God. Your nation is my nation. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you will die, I will die. I'm sticking to you no matter what. She came with her. Then she met Boaz, who was the head of the Sanhedrin, the most important Jew in the world. He marries her. Later they have children, and it goes all the way to King David. He comes from her. From this root. The Messiah. Mashiach ben David. Why did she get Mashiach to come from her and this Itro that knew all the Avodah Zarah in the world kicked it all and came to be Jewish and became the father-in-law of Moshe Rabbeinu but the Mashiach doesn't come from him. He comes from her. Why? The answer is Because Yitro, after his daughter married Moshe, after he heard what happened, after he came to pay respect to Hashem, Baruch Hashem, he said, he heard about the war with Amalek. He heard about Kriyat Yamsuf. He heard about Matan Torah, according to one opinion, that he came after Matan Torah, his argument, if he came before or after. He heard all the miracles that Hashem did to the Jews, he came, Moshe served him, they gave him a lot of respect, and what happened after that? He said, I'm going back to my country. What kind of a convert you are? You're not embarrassed? After you became a religious Jew, you left the Avodah Zarah. you want to go back to Italy, to the Vatican? Ah, That's one opinion. One opinion, he decided to go back and help the Goyim also to convert. Another opinion says he went back to the way he was before, went back to be an idol worshiper. There's even a midrash that he convinced Moshe that his first son will be contributed to idol worshipping. Yes. What happened with him is unclear 100%. But one thing we do know for sure, Moshe begged him to stick to the Jewish nation, and he refused. He said, I have to go back to my nation. The Gemara said, Vayichad itro. Vaychad, it's a special, unique word. What's so special about this word, Vayichad? One of the opinion, Na'asa besaro chidudim chidudim. His body became goosebumps. Why? Why? Because he heard that Hashem destroyed the Egyptians. And he was working for Paro. For a few years, he was one of the three advisors of Paro. Right? Yov, Bilam, and Itro. The three generals that worked for Paro. He was one of them. When he found out that his former boss and all his friends in Egypt... Many of them died, some of them were firstborn, and Egypt was destroyed financially. He started to cry. What are you crying? You're a Jew or you're not a Jew? What do you think? It's a joke when you come to convert and then you're crying over the people. From here, the Gemara say that if a non Jew convert, it takes 10 generations to be totally disconnected 100% from his background. 10 generations. It means that even if you take today in the world the most righteous uh, most righteous convert, male or female, that could be is already a big rabbi, writing books. He could be. There's a lot of famous converts. One of them was number three in Hezbollah. Number three in the Hezbollah is hiding somewhere in Israel, he became a religious Jew. There's all kinds of famous ones. Some of them, children of big famous Nazis. They felt horrible about what the parents did. They came to Israel, and converted to Judaism. Out of guilt. All kinds of people. One of them is uh, Amar Astodemeyer. You know him? One of the top NBA former stars he became Jewish, going walking out with tzitzit. His his name, his Hebrew name is Yehoshafat. Yehoshafat. You didn't know. You're not supposed to know. You Hasid. <laughs> Hasid not supposed to know about NBA. No, no Jew should know anything about it, but. If the Hasidim knows about it, it's the end of us. It's good you don't know, Baruch Hashem. It gives us hope. Some people are still clean, huh? <laughs> How you know about him? No, you tell me. How a Hasid from Boro Park know about him? In Hasidish yeshiva, they also exchange basketball cards. I hope not, Shemirachem. Better don't answer this. (laughs) One way or the other, Abbotai, imagine he's such a high-level convert and one day something happened to his nation. He came from Germany, he came from America, he came from Russia. Something happened to them. Earthquake, I don't know. And he sits now in Jerusalem, in Yeshiva, and cry. What do you want from him? It's normal. It's uncle, it's aunt. A lot of the friends that he had, they all died. How many generations it will take that he will feel completely Jewish, with no connection whatsoever to his Gentile background? Ten generations. Ten. That's why some religious Jews, no matter what, they'll never agree to marry a convert, no matter what happened, even the most righteous one in the whole world. Because of this Gemara, ten generations it takes. It's not one or two days. You should know that. Nothing to do with racism or prejudice, him or she's not good enough. Maybe right now she's more righteous than him. We're talking in a spiritual journey, ten generations. That's the Gemara. Is Hashem happy that goyim convert? What do you think? When a goy comes and convert, Hashem is happy or not? The answer is very happy. The Gemara say, one of the reasons Hashem scattered the Jews among all the nations is to show the truth of Judaism to the Goim, that they should convert to Judaism. The Gemara actually even brings criticism about some of Hazal. They didn't expect specific Goim that wanted to be Jewish. And because they didn't accept them, bad things later on happened from them. If they would be maybe more lenient with them, things would be otherwise. But let's get a little bit deeper. Let's see some very interesting things. So, Vaishma. Vaishma Itro. The Torah says, Itro heard. What did he hear? The split of the Red Sea. The Jews defeated Amalek. Amalek attacked them in a, on a way. The Jews destroyed them. Not fully. Or oh, the, the Jews got the Torah. What's so special about it? All the Goim heard about it. Every morning when we pray, we sing, Az Yashir Moshe. What do we say? It's apart from the Torah, Parashat B'Shalach. All the nations shook. They went into panic mode. They were going crazy from fear. Even the people that lived in Israel, all of them were in panic. How do we know? When Yahshua sent the spies, they hid in the house of, of Rahab, the former prostitute. She hid them. She told them, everybody here is shaking. They know you're coming for us. They all knew about what happened in Egypt, even though there was no Facebook and no CNN. You did not have social media, no WhatsApp groups, no television, no radio, no newspaper. But Everybody knew. The Gemara say when Hashem did all these miracles, the whole world shook. When the, when the water of the Red Sea opened, all the waters in the world opened. Not just the Red Sea. They go in looking at the lake. Tveria, the Kineret, opening up. Elat, opening up. Everywhere you go, opening up. What's going on? God is doing something for his children. How do we know? When they went to Rahav, she said, we heard what your God did for you. How did she know? There was no radio. Everybody knew. Hashem made sure every Go in the world would know. So why Itro is something special? They all heard. Because Itro heard and he came. They also heard, but they didn't come to convert. For millions of Goim who heard, only one showed up. Which One the number one in field, meaning the master of all the idol worshiping, the worst goy. The the head, he taught everybody how to be an idol worshiper. He came. His students didn't come. The rest of the goyim didn't come. Generals did not come. Nobody came. Only one goy came and said, Baruch Hashem, it's A little bit interesting. what's going on over here? Degmara Vadi one explanation, his body was gusman. Second, he made he, he circumcised himself. He circumcised himself. Anybody forced him to be a Jew? The Torah forced the Goim to be Jewish, no? The only religion who offers heavens to people if they stay what they are, is Judaism. If you come to Christians, I want to be a righteous person, but I don't want to follow JC. Will I go to heaven? Oh, no, you're wicked. You don't accept Lord JC. He is going to put you in hell for millions of years. You must be Christian. Okay, you come to the Arabs. No, Mustafa, Said. I want to be a righteous person. Follow God, believe in one God. But I don't want to be Muslim. I don't want to accept Quran. I don't want to follow Muhammad. I want to be a good person. Can I go to heaven? No. You must be a Muslim. If you're not Muslim, you don't go to heaven. You go to the Buddhists, the Hindus, all these people. You must be a member of our cult. If you want one day to go to heaven. You come to the Jewish people. I want to stay a Gentile, I don't want to be a Jew. Can I go to heaven? Of course. Stay a Gentile. Who told you to be a Jew? Stay a Gentile. No, you don't want me to join your group? No. We will direct you how to be a righteous Gentile. That you should go to heaven of Gentiles. No, no, but I want the real thing. That's good enough. Nobody force you now. You want to be Shomer Shabbat? You want to be fanatic? Don't worry. You enjoy the food in Italy... Enjoy France. Enjoy Manhattan. Just be a righteous Gentile. Don't be an idol worshiper. Don't be a murderer. Don't be a thief. Don't eat animals unless they're dead. Obey the police and the court. And no intimacy, forbidden relationship with their relatives. No homosexuality, none of these things. And you great. What do you want? You can eat whatever you want. As long as you're not a crook, you're not a bad, evil person. You, you're going to heaven, without being a Jew, without being a Jew. No, no. I remember one time there was a girl when I used to speak in a Georgian shul over 20 years ago. Her name was Christine. She was working as a waiter, a waitress, with a a, a girl that grew up here in America, but her parents are uh, Israeli Georgians. They worked in some restaurants here in Queens as two waitresses. And the Israeli one brought her friend Christine to my lecture in a Georgian jewel. I used to speak there every Wednesday. After the lecture, I have a line of people. You know how it is. After the lecture, people want to speak to you. I see a girl crying nonstop, maybe 21 years old, crying nonstop. I never felt like this in my life. Da 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 da. Yeah? What's your name? Christine how did you get here she's my friend, we walked together in a restaurant This, I think the restaurant was in Austin Street if I remember correctly now she wants to convert no, what do you need no, I want to convert it's been going on for months I tried to convince her to stay what she is and then until one time I remember you know some things that happen you remember the place I was by my mechanic in Monsey waiting for my car to get out of the lift, and she called and she said, when will it be my conversion uh, date? I said, what's the rush? Enjoy being a righteous Gentile for now. Then she said, the more you're trying to convince me not to be Jewish, the more I'm anxious to be Jewish. It's called reverse psychology. It's so unbelievable. If you want your children to come to synagogue, you beg them, you try to wake them up in the morning, they give you hell. They don't want to come. Change. Tell them from now on, you don't have to come. You, he can come, your brother can come, you stay home, you don't come. Why am I not, not coming? You don't come. You need to earn it. You need to deserve to come. To come to speak to Hashem is a privilege. It's not a punishment. You don't go... I don't take you with me. No, no, Abba, why are you talking like this? No, you stay home. Stay with your mother. Once, twice, three times, you wait and see what would happen. That's what I did to that French chef. Remember the story in Brooklyn? You don't have to keep mitzvot. You can do whatever you want. What? And the next morning was already by Rav Siman Tuvala Vashalov. Sheachrit, <laughs> sheva cleaned the dust from his tfilin, from his bar mitzvah. <laughs> Seven o'clock, the guy called the next day, Nisim, the mashgiach. I can't believe it. What? He came to Shachrit. Became a zakay he used to make tapes of Rav Simantov. He used to be tapes. There was no CDs back then. And we were handing tapes. Overnight, Became a zakay arabim. The night before, he almost killed me. Get out of my house. I don't want to tell you the curses. He was cursing me. Why? I told him, You don't have to come. You can stay. No, you don't have to keep. You do whatever you want. Why? After an hour, I begged him and begged him and begged him. I saw he Wants his attention. In Hebrew, it's called Afuch al Afuch. When you tell someone not to come, all of a sudden, he realized. Sometimes you only appreciate what you have when you lose it. You know you know how many husbands abused their wives over the years until the moment they told them I want to get i can't live with you anymore. I want to get divorced. They got shocked, ma rabbi, help me out whoa she, twenty years she was begging you for a little attention soon as she left, all of a sudden he realized what he lost that 's how people are unfortunately Soitro Who told him to be Jewish? You can be a righteous Gentile. Keep the seven laws of Noah. But when he saw the split of the Red Sea, everybody shaking, the Philistines, the Edomites, the the Moabites, they're all shaking. The K'nani... Every one of these nations is shaking. What's going to be with us? Look what God is doing for these Jews. And what happened? After all of that, Amalek. Amalek is coming to attack the Jewish nation. How far Amalek was? Weeks. Weeks riding the horses. Weeks. It was 1,600 mil. It's like it's probably over a week with the horses to arrive. Long distance, like from here to LA, imagine with a car. Very far. Why are you coming for so far? To find the Jewish nation. The Amalek arrived. Amalek see clouds. Protection from Hashem. Protect the Jews from the sun. Making the floor straight. Showing them the way. Free GPS. First startup in history, Amud Anan. GPS was sold for how many billions? These ways. Three billion, no? Three billion. BBC said it's worth 20 billion. 20 billion, especially now when they sell commercials all the time, advertisement, 20 billion. First, GPS was made in heaven. (laughs) 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 Hashem is showing us the way, top. So when when Amalek arrive, they see the Jews came out of Egypt. Egypt is destroyed. Millions of Egyptians died the Red Sea was split, the floor is straight, special air condition, special shade above, special pillar of fire showing them the way. Wouldn't you think that this Goim will have a little brain and say, excuse me, let's go back to where we came from. Come on. What are the odds? Look what their God is doing for them. The Gemara say, what's why God hate Amalek more than all the Gentiles of the whole world and the whole history of the world? Why? Why does he hate Amalek so much? Hedan Hashem swore that his chair will never be complete until he will wipe out any memory of Amalek. Why is it? Mitzvah, one of the mitzvot of the Torah to wipe out Amalek from the face of the earth. When the Torah speaks about other Goim, the Torah never said kill Goim. The Torah never says steal from Goim. If you steal from a Goy, you're wicked. It's a sin. It's two sins. One is stealing, and second is Chilul Hashem. So when it comes to the Goim, you have to respect the Goim. Rabbi Chaim Vital says you have to love them. We're not talking idol worshippers. Idol worshippers you must hate, whether they are Jewish, whether they are Goim, doesn't matter. Everyone who replaces God with a piece of metal, a piece of a rock, or anything like that, that's an enemy of God. You cannot love the enemies of God. If you love the enemies of God, that means you are yourself an enemy of God. And it's no difference whether it's Jewish, whether it's a goy. They bought criminals that deserve death penalty. When a goy bow down to the sun, or a Jew bow down to a sun, same penalty, death penalty. If a Jew bow down to a statue, or a goy does, or to an animal, that's the same thing. Avodah death penalty. So there's... The goyim that are not idol worshippers, you don't have one small permission to do one thing against them. Nothing. Even the goyim that are idol worshippers, when we came to Israel, the Torah first said, you you have to declare that you live in your garbage statues and idols and you become righteous Gentiles and we won't touch you. You can stay to live, be toshav. Big Goyim, that's the residents of Israel. If they agree, you don't touch them. If they don't agree, you tell them, okay, take it out of Israel. You can't keep it here. Leave. If they refuse, that's when you go into a war with them. They want to stay with their idols in Israel. This we cannot tolerate. But if they take their idols and run, let them run. What about destroying the idols? You have to destroy the idols from Israel, not for the whole world. You must clean the bed from among you. You don't have to go to China and break their temples of their idols, or the churches of Paris. That's not our job. They have to do it, the goyim, because it's against their own seven laws of Noah. They don't want to do it, let them handle it with Hashem. We have to purify Israel, which today, unfortunately, even that we cannot do (laughs) Some people tell me, when are we going to get rid of all these churches? When are we going to get rid of all these temples of Avodah Zarah? I ask, when are we going to get rid of our brothers and sisters who burns the Torah non-stop and fight the religion and make gay parades all over? That's much more urgent than some idol worshippers in Haifa. That's the problem? We have much bigger problem from our own brothers and sisters, everywhere in Yerushalayim, contaminating the holy city. You worry about a bunch of Christians? From uh, 100,000 abomination people coming into Yerushalayim a few times a year. That's that's much, much more urgent than some Christian here and there who bow down to their foolish idols. Believe me, it's much more urgent. That's why we need Mashiach yesterday, not tomorrow, yesterday. So now, now Itros sees that the whole world saw and nobody runs to become Jewish. How can it be? Not only nobody runs to become Jewish, Amalek is coming to fight the Jews. It's one thing you don't want to convert. On top of everything, you have the nerve to declare a war. Weren't they afraid that their end will be exactly like the Egyptians? The Egyptians were much stronger than Amalek. You saw the end of the Egyptians. How are you not afraid? The answer, they are afraid. Of course they are afraid. They also know they're going to die. But the Amaleks are so filthy that they say, yes, we will die, but we'll take few Jews with us. That's what, uh, that's what our purpose is. It's the Gemara gives a parable. You have a boiling bat, bubbling. Fire under and the water are bubbling, 100 degrees Celsius. Boiling. You put your hands inside, it's first degree burning. Nobody can put a finger in. Come one cursed, wicked Ben Blial, the Gemara say. Mother ben Blial, someone who has no weight of God on his shoulders, no fear from God. Ben Blial. Jump into the boiling bath. It's burning. But he brought the temperature of the bath from 100 degrees to 70. Why? You know how it is. It it it, it cools some the water. It cools the water. It's burned to death. As long as I cool the boiling water, meaning that's the mashal. What's the nimshal? What's the? What do we learn from this parable? Is that they say no matter what, we are gonna do everything we can to bring down the heat, the anxiety the passion that the Jews have to their God. Our job is to bring it down. Even if we get burned. Even if we die. What's the, that's Amalek. Amalek never fought us for property, for land. The Arabs, Palestinians, they're killing us, they're fighting us. Why? Two reasons. One, Islam, their fake Quran, And second, for the land. They want to get rid of us. They should take the land for themselves. So if you ask a Palestinian, why are you fighting the Jews? They have at least two reasons. One, they're not Muslims like us. They don't follow Muhammad. They're Zionists. They're infidels. And second, they stole our land, even though they know they're lying. We were there way before there was even Palestinian nation. (laughs) There was no Palestinian nation until uh, 1964. They have no there's no record of them anywhere. Not even in the United Nations. No flag, no anthem, no army, no government, no leadership, no museum, now one history book. There's no such thing. They're all Egyptian, Iraqis, uh, Jordanians from all over the area. They know they're lying. Some of them even admit that there was never such thing Palestinians. But they go with a scam with the Europeans' help and money. Everybody's scamming. The whole world. Why? It's against the Jews. We're all happy. It serves the purpose. So the question is when you come to the Palestinians, at least they give an answer. Why are you fighting the Jews? We want the land. Oh, tough. We understand. You're fighting for land. Okay. You come to the Jordanians. Why you fight Israel? We fight for the border. We want the border to be here, and they want the border to be here. Okay. You come to the Syrians. Why are you fighting the Jews? Golan Heights. You come to the Egyptians before the agreement. Why are you fighting the Jews? They took Yamit, the desert, Rafiach. We want it back. Any Arab you come, you come to Saddam Hussein. Why are you fighting the Jews? They're torturing the Palestinians. They give an answer. Even though it's all baloney. But at least they have what to say. You come to the Amalekim. Why you go a week in the heat? torturing thousands of soldiers to go and attack Israel. What for? You don't have mutual border. It's nothing to do with religion. Nothing to do with you. They're not near you. They never did anything to you. Why you always attack them when they are on the way? That's why Hashem hates them the most. Everybody else supply a reason whether the reason it's true or not, it's not even important. In their mind, it's true. They believe the cause. They fight for it. Amalek have no cause. No property, no border, no diplomacy problem. Nothing. We didn't take from them. They're not, they have nothing to blame us for. Why are they attacking us? No explanation. Out of nowhere, they keep showing up. And make problems. The Gemara say, how come? The answer is Ben Blial. These are people with no God fearing. No fear from God. Olech beShirut libo ara. Pure evil. Pure evil. Once you deal with such a person, please don't ever look for logic. No logic. If he's willing to get burned to cool you off, don't look for logic. Don't ever look for logic. When it was so that, after the split of the Red Sea, the Amalek showed up to fight. After what they saw, after what they know it's going to happen to them. And they still showed up. He said there's only one way not to be like them. I must convert and be a Jew. There's no other way. If people like me, Gentiles like me saw everything. Not only they don't run to stand online to join the divine nation. They come to fight them. Don't look for logic anymore. That's what Abraham Avinu said. Ain't irat elokim There's no fear from God over here. They'll kill me over nothing. Over nothing. Now, 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 listen to this. Moshe Rabbeinu, How many sons he has? Two. Gershom and Eliezer. What do we know about them? They work very well. What do we know about them? The answer is nothing. The Torah did not waste one word about them. We only know that uh, Moshe did not circumcise them when we were on the road because it's dangerous. When they arrived to the motel. Moshe did not want to circumcise them and then um, Satan came. It was going up from the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the top, where they supposed to be circumcised and Zipporah got the point. She circumcised them right there and saved Moshe from death. That's all we know. But what do we know about them? Nothing. Did Moshe want them to take his place? Of course. What father doesn't want his son to be a king after him? What Rebbe doesn't want one of his sons to be the Rebbe? Go to all the Hasidim. Ask all the Rebbes. Would you want one of your sons to be a Rebbe? Or you want a stranger to be a Rebbe? Crazy? After everything I build, a stranger will come take over? Of course I want. This son should take my place. Problem is that sometimes they don't know which one. And they died. I mean, they passed. And then the two sons begin to fight. And then it's become. It splits to two. And then it would split again, and split again, and Baruch Hashem, no, top. But there's no question that everybody wants that one of his sons will take over his place. Every king, every leader, that's the way it is. Why the children of Moshe got nothing? Nothing. Moshe asked Hashem, he wants one of them to be the leader. Hashem said no. Your shua ben Nun, your student, will take your place. Why? Few reasons. One, he was cleaning the shul. He comes first. One, he cleans, he puts the benches, put what people needs, and when they all leave, he cleans the tissue, take out the garbage, fix the chairs, make sure everything is ready for the next day. So what is he? A janitor janitor. That's going to make him the most important person in the world, taking the place of Moshe Rabbeinu? You have to, you're inheriting a legend here. You're not just taking a, some kind of a prime minister here. You're going into the shoes of the most important person in the history of the world. What is the merit for that? You clean the shul. But not only that, there's one more reason. It's more one main reason, why is it? Yeshua was faithful to you. Always was attached to you. When you answer questions, he was there. When you needed to do things, he was there. When you rule alacha, he was there. When you have two talmidei chachamim in a the yeshiva, they both know every gemara. Every Shulchan Aruch, every Halakha, every book you talk about, they know. Photographic memory. One of them is attached to the Rebbe, to the Posek, from morning to night. He's with him in a room when he answers questions, when there is fights, when there is an Abedin. He's attached to him. 20 years the other one is only learning in yeshiva. Learning, learning, learning. It was not attached to the Rebbe, not attached. He did not see when the rabbi ruled an exception to the rule, when he did not want to answer, when he allowed because of Pikuach. He didn't see reality wise how the Rav, the Talmud Chacham, is Posekalachot. It's similar to two mechanics. You have one mechanic who learned how to be mechanic on Google. For 10 years. He sits on Google all day. He learns about Mercedes and BMW and Lexus and Toyota and all the cars out there. He learned online how to change brakes. He saw videos. He read step one, step two. You ask him, tell me how you change the brakes on a Toyota Camry. He will tell you Step number one, two, three, four, what chapter, what comes first, everything. Say, okay, come change my brakes. (laughs) If I would be you, I wouldn't drive the car after that. I don't know where you're going to find yourself after. On the other hand, you come to the garage, you have Tony from Puerto Rico, He doesn't speak two words in English, so he couldn't learn in Google how to change brakes, because he doesn't speak English. He works for one year in a garage in Brooklyn, one year. Every day he saw how the main mechanic changed brakes. This, This car, that car, a year, already 500 times. Which one of the two mechanics you want to change your brakes? Tony from Puerto Rico who works in a garage and learned by, by actually working? Or the guy who knows everything by heart from the, from, the, from the manuals of each car but never in his life was actually working in a garage? Which one of the two? Which one of the two? Tony for sure, right? Same thing when it comes to rabbis. When it comes to halakhah, there is Baruch Hashem thousands of rabbis who learn many years, and they know every halakhah, they tell you we'll say this, this, and that. However, the numbers of talmidei chachamim that actually shimshu another talmid chacham is not so big. Because there, not everybody has the merit. You need the chacham to allow you to be attached to him. My rabbi was attached to Rab'n Abba Ab'asha'ol 12 years. Best teacher in the whole (laughs) world. What can be better than that? He has a diary like this about him. Every day, hour after hour, this, that, what he ruled, what he answered, what he asked him. There are sometimes few rabbis in Israel that were attached to Avovad Yosef. Attached to him. Not even his own sons. There are rabbis who actually was with him for hours, Rav Naki, Rav Shitrit, that actually wrote his books, were sitting with him, there is a whole book, like 16, 16 books of Rav Naki, Mayan Omer. Thousands of questions of, of Rav Ovadia that people came to ask him and he wrote it down. Unbelievable answers. Some of them completely different than what's written in his books. Why? According to the moment and to the person, that's how he ruled. This you don't see in the books. You will never find it in the books. You only find it if someone shimesh. That's what the Gemara say. Gadol shimusha Being a servant of a big hacham is much more important than being a talmid hacham on your own. Learning. It's never going to be the same. Same thing doctors. Same thing everything. What do you think? In Israel when you become a lawyer, you don't run away right away become a lawyer. You need stage. One and a half years. You have to be an assistant to someone. Why you don't become a lawyer right away? You need experience. One and a half years. Doctor, what, you right away become a surgeon? No, you finish medical school, you finish. Technically, you know how to perform a surgery. But I won't let you. You have to be few months attached to a surgeon as an assistant. Why there are complications? You need to know what to do. Everything in in the world is like this. Even becoming a president of the United States, you need few weeks to learn. Assuming you're not sleeping. <laughs> 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 you understand, Rabotai? <laughs> so now, Yoshua Benun was a servant of Moshe Rabbeinu, faithful, zealous for his honor, and down to earth, cleaning the garbage when people go after the shul. That's the leader I want. Why did I make Moshe a leader? Is humble. He took care of the sheep. He ran after the sheep, took care of the sheep. I want someone like this to be a leader. Why I want Yoshua? Why the sons of Moshe Rabbeinu? They're not, they're not as good as Yoshua as Benun. Yes, if they were in a level of Yeshua, of course they would come before him son of Moshe has the first priority. But since they are not in the level of Yeshua, I push them on the side and I put Yeshua. Same thing by the rebes. If you have a son, he's a Chacham. But there's someone over there that is much bigger Chacham, you're not allowed to take your son and put him to be the leader when someone over there is ten times greater. That's not fair. Your son, if is as good as everybody else, then he comes before them. Meaning nobody can prove that he's better than your son. Your son, take over. Perfectly fine. One more thing we learn here. Now we, Baruch Hashem, we're coming to receive the Torah. How many letters you have in the Torah? 304,805 letters. How many chapters, name by names, parashot you have in the Torah? 54. But we have only 52 weeks a year. Some weeks you read two parashot, like Vayak Kel Piku Day. You read two parashot in one Shabbat. Sometimes, Yom Tov Fall on Shabbat. You don't read the weekly parasha. You read uh, Passover, you read Sukkot, and then the following week or a few weeks later, you read two parashot. All together you have 52 Shabbats, which in those 52 weeks, excluding the holidays, you will finish a cycle of 54 parashot. Bereshit, okay. Now, how many chapters you have in the Torah? Every parasha has a few chapters in it. How many? 187 chapters. The Torah is divided to 187 chapters. Meaning, if you take 187 divided by 54, it gives you about three to three and a half chapters per each parasha, per each week. Torah. How do you know? Sometimes when you go in a parasha, right, like this, parasha titro, it starts verse Aleph, Bet, Gimel, da, da 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 da. Then it starts again Aleph, in the same same week. We already had Aleph in the previous page. Again Aleph. Why Aleph? Because it's another chapter. Few chapters go into one parasha of the week. How many verses we have in the Torah? 5,845 verses. How many words we have in the Torah? How many words? Who knows? 81,404. 81,404 verses. 304,000 letters, 805. That's the old Torah. Moshe brings the nation in a third days after Hashem says men and women separate. Purify yourself, mikveh, natural water. Wash your clothes. Don't have any stains of sperm on it. Purify everything. And be ready for the, the day, the most important hour in the history of the world. The moment that God will come for the first and last time and speak to a large audience. Until now he spoke to Adam, spoke to Noah, spoke to Avram, to Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, but not yet in a public event. If somebody asks you, what's the main difference between Judaism to the 80,000 fake religions and cults that came after? One of the main differences. The answer is, all these fake religions are all stories of one individual. Nobody witnessed Muhammad speaking to Angel Gabriel. Nobody. It's his story. Nobody ever witnessed what Mary had in her dream. Maria, Mary, Miriam, whatever you want to call her. You cannot testify on someone else's dream. It's her story. Nobody ever saw Buddha when he was in his dream, enlightenment. I saw the light. Who else saw the light? Nobody. I was alone. There is nobody. Always a story of one person. The Torah... Moshe brings millions of people to Mount Sinai. Hashem comes down on a mountain. foggy, Clouds. Fire. Fire everywhere. The floor is shaking. Vibration. And a siren is in the background. Voice of a shofar. Blowing a shofar. It gets stronger by the minute. To the, me- to the point that you cannot take the, the pain, it hurts. I would imagine fire, clouds, floor is shaking and massive noise. What's going on of everybody is shaking from fear. Imagine this. All of a sudden, boom, explosion! I am the God that took you out of Egypt. You should never have any other God but me. Now he comes to say, you should not ever mention the name of God in vain. They couldn't take it. They began to cry, to scream, no, please, Moshe, please have mercy on us. What? We cannot hear this. We're very, very scared please go up to the mountain and speak to this God. Whatever he will say, we will do. But don't, don't, don't let us hear another word. We can't take it. We're dying here. Parchanish matam. Their soul came out of their body from fear. So the first two commandments, they heard everything. After that, Moshe had to go up, bring the commandment, to break it, go up again, bring the second commandment. We know the rest of the story. This is on Shavuot. This is what we describe now. First commandment. Even though they never got it. They were supposed to hear the whole ten commandments. But in the end, they only heard the first two. And then they started to panic and cry. The question is, why Hashem needed to give the Torah with such fear? It's intimidating to get everybody to shake Everybody's shaking from fear. Oh my God, I'm dying here. Please, no, no. What? You're getting Torah. Today you're becoming a nation. I chose you from all the nations to be mine. I'm giving you the most precious thing to me, it's the Torah. And you are dying from fear. Very good. You should. That's what I want. The Torah is not a picnic vacation in Acapulco or Cancun modern orthodox style my way or the highway there's no room for this nonsense in my truth you gotta shake from me nine times in the Torah I told you to love me 18 times I told you to fear me I'm not your friend from high school we didn't go together to the marines. We did not meet on a beach. We were not in the same rock and roll band. Get your nonsense and your illusions out of your head. Clean all the garbage but you learn by all kinds of fakers, Jews and non Jews, all kinds of modern fools who modify the Torah according to their own understanding. Get rid of this nonsense. There's only one truth. Where is it? In the text. Did I give you the Torah with classical music? Why didn't I play Mozart? Or Beethoven, maybe? Imagine classical music, some violin, trumpets, tam-ta-tam, tam-tam-ta-tam, no? Beautiful jasmine smell. Ah, smells like paradise. Beautiful breathe, Why do you need fire? Why do you need the floor to shake? Why do you need sirens? Scary. Put music. Dancing. Bring the angels. Hava nagila. Hava. They make You know, drink lechem. Everyone hug and kiss like the goyim in 42nd Street, in New Year's Eve. <language> Why not? What well, do you think? I'm giving you a picnic here now. I'm giving you a book of instructions. Constitution. Don't dare ever to modify it or to go one inch left or right. You're playing with your eternity, with your, with your life. That's why the they, soul came out of fear. Now the question is, it's written right there that Moshe will speak First, the voice of the shofar va'i kol ha shofar olech vichazech Every time it's written in the Torah Va'ai, it's like vai. Vai, oh, oh, it's bad. Vai, Va'i, why Va'i? They heard the voice of the Shofar, they faint from fear. For them it was Va'ay. kol Shofar olech vi meod Such voice. Moshe is speaking and God is answering with a voice. Why do you need to write bikol? Moshe speaks and God answers him. Why does he have to write Bekol? How many clowns and infidels and atheists we have today in the world? Too many. If these words would not be written do you know how much fun they would make? <laughs> you you're naive. You really believe that God spoke to Moshe in front of millions of people and they all heard his voice? You really believe? Moshe was putting a show. Shh. Let me hear what God is telling me in my ear.
1: Yes, yes, sir.
0: No problem. Okay, God just told me that is the God that took us out of Egypt. And you should never dare have, having another God. Hold on. Shh. Yes, what else, dear God? Put a show. Broadway. <laughs> After that, now one person can swear if God exists or not. Did we really get the Torah or not? Muhammad also claimed he got the Koran. But who saw it? Nobody. <laughs> That's why nobody wanted to accept it. So he went with a sword and started to butcher them. They all got scared. Until today, Islam is intimidation. Become Muslim or we chop your head off. If not, we will burn you, we kill you, we'll burn your churches, we'll do this. One thing, it's amazing. Muslims, who do they hate more? Jews or Christians? The fanatic Muslims. Who do they hate more? You say Christians, some would say Jews. It's a little bit hard to answer this. Does Mo, do Muslims accept Christianity as a divine religion? Yes. Judaism, yes, for sure. It's in the Quran. It speaks a lot about Moshe, Musa, God, Ibrahim. They accepted our Torah as a fact that we got a Torah in a public event from God. What about Christianity? Do Muslims give respect to JC? Yes. They consider him one of the prophets. So, why they go and burn churches all over the world? What's going on here? In your religion, you say there was Musa, Moshe, and after that, all the Jewish prophets, and after that, JC Penny, before the bankruptcy. And now, all of a sudden, you brought Muhammad. But JC is one of them. So, why are you burning churches? Why are you burning his image on a cross like this? You're supposed to bow down to it, no? They understand it's idol worshiping. They can't stand Christian and they can't stand Christianity. They go and they burn everything. So the question is, the question is, Rabotai, how come they never? I don't want to open my mouth, but how come they never burn synagogues? You never hear that Muslims burn synagogues. You don't hear it in Iraq, in Arab countries. They torture the Jews. Don't get me wrong. They give us a lot of our time, but they don't come to burn the synagogue or the Sefer Torah. You have atheist Amalekim people that they brought from Russia, all kinds of Nazis that live in Israel. They attack Jews all the time, and they burn Sefer Torah. But you don't find a religious Arab Muslim that comes to attack a synagogue. It's an unbelievable. It's very rare. If it ever happened, I don't know. Maybe it happened. I don't know what happened all over the world. But it's not a common thing. Churches, every month you hear. They burn the church here, they burn the church there. Non-stop. ISIS. They burn f- hundreds of churches. ISIS. Did they ever go and burn synagogues, ISIS? In the countries where they are, there's a lot of synagogues. In Syria, in Lebanon, in all kinds of places, there's a lot of synagogues. Why is it? After all, they know, these Arabs, that the Jews are the chosen people and they got the Torah from God. They will think 10 times before they come to attack the synagogues. Unbelievable. But one more thing I want to ask you. After this whole show, everybody heard the voice of God, everybody panicked, their soul basically left their body. The Ibn Ezra, he says, Why does it say, I am the God that took you out of Egypt, and it doesn't say, I am the God that made you? Wouldn't it be better? I am your God that created you. Why the Ten Commandments starts, I am the God that took you out of Egypt? So, the answer is, I'm the God that made you, you also made the Egyptians. <laughs> you made the Nazis also. You made the Arabs. You made the Chinese. You made everybody. What's the significance? You're the God that made me. So, you made all the goyim. So, what? You're giving me something or you're giving the whole world something? Second, why did I take you out of Egypt? Without me taking you out of there, nothing would be left from you there's only one reason i took you out of egypt what is it to be your god i took you out of egypt to be your god i'm not interested in an atheist secular jew i'm not interested in this kind of jews i only took you out of egypt for one reason I will be your God and you will be my follower. And you've passed the test that I put in front of you. And I will reward you greatly or punish you severely, depending on what you choose. But the, only de- the, all, the, or the entire deal here was, I'm saving you from slavery, from eternal destruction in Egypt, for one reason. That you're going to follow my Torah that I'm giving you. And I bring you to the promised land and we'll build Bet Mikdash. And you follow my Torah and you will teach your children to follow my Torah. I'm not interested in gays. I'm not in- interested in assimilation. I'm not interested in Jews that imitates the Goim. I'm not interested in Jews that pretend that they're not Jews. I'm not interested in all of those. Even Moshe Rabbeinu got punished. When he came to Midian after he ran from Egypt, he dressed like an Egyptian prince. He killed that uh, Egyptian soldier that was beating up the Jew. And the liberal Jews, the lefties, went to tell about him, Dataninaviram, and Meretz. They ran to tell to the Goim Eh hey, hey, Moshe killed an, an Egyptian soldier. He had a few hours to run away. He ran away in the last minute. Paro was looking for him to kill him. Paro raised him in his house. Paro has no choice. He has to execute him. Why? He killed a soldier. Moshe had to run. He came to Midian. He met Sipora over there. And she said to her father, as an Egyptian man came here. Moshe, meaning, Moshe did not do anything to make it clear to her, I'm not Egyptian, I'm an Hebrew. I'm from Avram, Itzhak and Yaakov, God forbid, Egyptian. How many Jews here in America pretend to be going? I know some of them that refuse to put mezuzot that nobody will know they're Jewish. Billionaires live in mansions here. I once told a billionaire that gave $140 million donation to two institutions: $100 million and $40 That may be 50 mezuzot in their mansion. I say, why Why don't you have mezuzot? We're good like this. We're good. I'll donate for you, mezuzot. <laughs> I was hoping they're not going to accept my offer <laughs> to donate <laughs> 50 mezuzot. It's $5,000 almost. They have billions. They're, they're not interested even in a mezuzot for free. Not that they're cheap. They don't want anyone to know. That's why they changed their name to a name that is 100% goyim. That's the story of most of the Jews here in this country. A lot of these movie stars, by the way, very famous ones, are Jewish. But they have Goish last names. They changed their names. You don't know their real name. Their real name was a real Ashkenazi name. very common. But then they changed it. Why? They don't want anyone to know who they are. And something like this, Hashem cannot stand Being a faker, pretending to be somebody else. Being embarrassed of who you are. Conclusion, Rabotai. And then time ran out. Conclusion. After this whole thing, Itro comes to Moshe Rabbeinu and he gives him an advice. You can't judge the entire nation on your own. You have to set a system, court system, judges, judges for thousands, judges for hundreds, judges for, for tens. It's like Moshe didn't know what's going on. He doesn't know he cannot be a judge for three and a half million people. Every fool knows it. Moshe, the smartest man, he he couldn't know it. As soon as Moshe came down from the mountain, what was the first thing he did? He had to sit in a court and rule in court cases. How many days passed? How many days passed? Let's do the math. We came out of Egypt. Seven weeks later, we got the Torah right? The, this, Parashat Titro, the first two commandments. We didn't get the Torah. yet. It was the first two commandments. Moshe went up to the mountain, all together, how long he was there? For 120 days. 120 days. So we have seven weeks after we came out of Egypt, until we got the Torah, which is 49 days. Another 120 days, 120 plus 50 is how much? 170 minus 1, 169. Moshe came down after 169 days that we came out of Egypt. And the next day, which was Yom Kippur, so remember, if somebody asks you, when did we actually get the Torah? The answer is on Yom Kippur. We got the second commandment. Moshe came down on Yom Kippur which is 40 days after Rosh Chodesh Elul, 40 days he was in a a mountain, from Rosh Chodesh Elul until 10th of Tishrei, and Hashem said to Moshe on Yom Kippur, "I I forgive the nation for the sin of the golden calf as you requested, and this day will be a day of atonement for generations. Moshe came down, it's Yom Kippur, and the next day, which is Yud Aleph in Tishrei, is set down in a court and has a huge line of people. I don't get it. What's going on over here? They came out of Egypt loaded with gold and rubies and diamonds. They don't know what to do with that. You don't have exactly Amazon in a desert. You have Birkat Amazon, but you don't have Amazon. (laughs) So what can you buy? There's no malls, no jewelry store, no pizza shop, no burgers, nothing. No Florida, no Dubai, no jet ski, nothing to burn your money on. You have bread falling from heaven, you put it in your mouth, delicious. Sushi, pizza, barbecue, whatever you imagine you taste. You have plenty of clothes that the Egyptian gave you because Hashem made sure that you find favor in their eyes. If somebody asks you, what makes you charismatic? The answer, Hashem. (laughs) Why? It's written in the Torah. And Hashem decided that the Jews will find favor in the eyes of their enemies. The Egyptians who just died, who just got destroyed, who just lost everything they had, Ran after the Jews. Take, take, take. Look, it looks great on you. Come, Sarah. I have for you a beautiful outfit. I bought it in Saks Fifth Avenue. It's great on you. You can have it. Wow. She just got, they all just got destroyed. Why? Hashem makes sure that the Jews will find favors in the eyes of their enemies. That's what the Torah said. So now the Jews came out with donkeys full of wealth. And then when the Egyptian drowns on the horses, they had all kinds of precious stones. So each one of them is a multi-multi-millionaire. And there is nothing to do with the money. So what? Give me one reason why you come to Beddin. As soon as Moshe came down from the mountain and brought the second commandment, thousands of people waiting online. line. Moshe, I'm suing him. They, what can they sue each other for? There's no problem with property. The whole desert is yours. You can be anywhere you want. There's no fighting about borders. What is the fight about? The answer is, Moshe et Remember now, every time the Torah says "Am Israel," or "Ami," it's the Jews. When the Torah says "Am," or "Amcha," that means erev rav. Who is erev rav? These Egyptians that Moshe took out of Egypt. They wanted to convert. He agreed and took them out. But they have non-Jewish ideology. The idol worshipers all their life. They bow down to the sheep. They bow down to the Nile. They believe in all kinds of nonsense. There's a non-Jewish culture. So it's, it's hard to change in one round. They gave the Jews all the jewelry and all the clothing. Now they came out of Egypt. 169 days they waiting for Moshe. Seven weeks until we got the Torah. Then Moshe went up. He came down after 120 days. By now, almost six months they're waiting. Think about it. 169 days. Six months is 180 days. So that's almost half a year. These Egyptians, Erev Rav, many thousands of them, are waiting for Moshe to show up for one reason. Give us back what you took. The jewelry, we only lend it to you. Why are you not giving it back? We are broke. All of you are millionaires. One day we're going to get to Israel. You're going to have rubies and diamonds and all our fancy clothing. And we have nothing. So they're all waiting. Now, why Moshe became the judge? Why Moshe didn't say to the 70 elder men, come help me out. There's thousands of uh, Erev Rav here waiting. I cannot judge all of them. I'm going to kill me. I want all of you come. You take 50 cases. You take 50 cases. You take 50 cases. Go after him. Go after him. Why would he insist to be a judge of everybody? The answer is because there was no other way. Because every one of the Jews is guilty. The lawsuit is against all of them. They all took. I am the only one who did not take I went to look for the body of Yosef in the Nile. Everybody here went and took from the Egyptians gold and silver and clothing. They are being sued. I am the only one who can be a judge. Why? I never took a penny from them. I went to look. That's why I can be a judge. He sees such things. I'm sorry, it's not realistic you should take the hard cases, the the big cases, not the hard, the big. And the small cases, give it to others. Give it to others. Did Moshe listen to his advice? Yes and no. One end, he nominated other judges. Second, he did not do as he instructed him. It was uh, the big cases you take, the small cases give it to others. Moshe did not divide it like this. Moshe took the hard cases and the easy cases he gave to other judges. What's the difference between big and hard? Sometimes you have a case in a court, a hundred million dollars. One company sue another company for a hundred million dollars. You read the contract, With the witnesses, in five minutes you know who's right. Even though it's a hundred million dollars, it's a very easy case. There is a contract, everybody signed, notarized, they're finished, you rule. That's what you agree, that's what you have to pay. Sometimes it's a case of fifty dollars. That's so complicated. When did he say it? One witness, other one, not Shomer Shabbat, but somebody else heard it. Did he mean this? Did he mean that? No, I meant this. Oh my gosh, it's a very complicated issue now. Very complicated. It's only $50. But to find who's right, Ruven or Shimon, it may take a week. Moshe did not take the big cases. Moshe took the complicated cases. By the goyim, it's all about external, flashy, uh, everything is from the outside. A case of a of billion dollar. Google against Microsoft. Hundred billion dollar lawsuit. Who is it going to go? To the biggest judges in America. Supreme Court. If it's a case of three million dollars, ah, go to the local court. Don't waste the Supreme Court time. Why? What is this? It's not, not big money here. By the Torah, it doesn't matter the amount. Din din mea. We care about the truth. Who is right and who is wrong. That's it. It doesn't matter bombastic numbers. Million, billion, trillion, doesn't matter. Fifty dollars here. You owe him or you not or you don't owe him. That's it. That's what we want to know. He can later on forgive you. That's not the case. I need to, to reach the truth. Moshe did it different. Moshe divided it by how complicated is the case. Here in America, if you have a case up to $3,000, you go to small claim court. Which judges they have? Retired one, they don't remember their name. Like Sleepy Joe and his friends. Excuse me, remind me, what's your name, young fellow? Oh, he's 90 years old, he's like this. I once been there 25, 30 years ago. If you have 30 seconds, Eh, What's the case? He owes me money. He didn't pay for the utilities. And what you say, okay, I suggest you give him this, you give him that. Nothing to do with the case, Bechlan. doesn't remember his name. It's only up to $3,000. Oh, more than that. You have to go to court. Oh, that's you need lawyers. It's become complicated. Why? Up to $3,000, we don't care justice or not. Small amount. Bigama, million, five million. Okay, gotta go to court, take lawyers, prepare a, a real tribe. The Torah doesn't care about numbers. Anyway, in the end, whatever money you're supposed to make, you will make with or without the court, without suing, with suing. It's not gonna make any difference. Whatever money is supposed to come to you must come to you. Don't need bed din. Rav Adelet once told me bed it's for people that have no emunah. Someone like you will go to Bedin to argue with people about money? So what if you have contracts? So what if you have checks? It's a busha. I told him, but half of the Torah it's dinem uh, amunot. Half of the gemara, shulchan aruch, mishpat. Well, the Torah has to give the answer to every loser. The Torah was not meant just for the uh, angels, the khachami. the Torah is for the ordinary people that if you don't tell them to go to Beddin, they'll kill each other over $500. So, for them, you need to have a court system, otherwise, it will be an anarchy. Everybody will kill each other for money. But someone who believes in Hashem, he needs to go and beg in Beddin. He owes me, he didn't pay me, is this, is that, penalty, I, I'm suing. That shows what a loser you are. If you deserve the money, Hashem is blind, you must get the money. If not today, next year, you must get it. And if you don't deserve it, you can win ten times in beddin, and Hashem will take it away from you, from a different place. That's the foundation of Emuna. Nothing can happen unless Hashem wants it to happen. If he doesn't approve of it, there's nothing he can do about it. Same thing in Shiduchim, same thing in everything. You understand, Rabotai? Two people run after the mouse, the mice, and they try to get rid of them. Who, who are those two? One is the cat, and second is the housewife. Both of them cannot stand mouse. The mouse. The housewife, the mother of the house, and the cat. The mother, she doesn't want mice. She hopes not to find them, that she has to get rid of them. The cat is hoping that there will be a lot of them. They both have the same goal, to get rid of the mouse. (laughs) But one is hoping that he doesn't have to get rid of them. Hopefully there won't be any. And the other one is the the cat is hoping that there will be plenty of them. The more, the better. Then I'm going to be able to get rid of a lot of them. There are two kinds of people that rebuke. When we finish right here. One is really, really cares when people make sins. Kills him. You see, women are not modest. People are not honest in the business. People are not foolish. Um, Shabbat, People don't come to the lectures. People are doing all kinds of bad things. It kills him. He speaks from his heart. And the other kind is hoping that there will be what to say. Why? Because it's money. Every time I come, I will get paid. And this, that, pay me, that, invite me. It's very good business. One is hoping, I wish there would not be, there are not going to be any wicked people that I don't have to rebuke anyone. So if, it, if there was a week that nobody made a sin, he's very happy. I'm out of the job. Similar like two kinds of doctors. The righteous doctor is hoping that no patient will show up all week. Why? Well, I don't want people to have cancer or to, to have corona and fight for their life. What's going to be with your parnasa, Dr. X? Parnassah is from Hashem. Didn't I say to you the first sentence tonight? If you think that the Parnassah come because you are a doctor or a lawyer or a driver, you are an infidel. Parnassah is because in Rosh Hashanah Hashem wrote how much he wants you to have for you and your family, with your job, without your job, with uh, Trump, with Sleepy Joe, with Democrats, with Republicans. It's all baloney. How much are you going to make whatever I wrote in Rosh Hashanah? That's it. How it's going to be now? We will wait a year and see. But it must be. So the lawyer should be very... The doctor should be very happy. Why are you so happy, doctor? One month, now, one patient came. Baruch Hashem. So why are you happy? You get paid per patients. No, I get paid from Hashem. Six months I didn't have income. If Hashem wants me to make money, I win in a lottery. No problem. One doctor wants patients. I want to work. I help people. But why do you want people to come to you? Because you want to make money, not because you want to cure them. The other one wants to cure them with money, without money. That's why he hoped that nobody would come. Why? Like this, no one is sick. Same thing among rabbis. Some are hoping they won't have any more any work to rebuke anyone. Nobody calls. Baruch Hashem, everybody tzaddik. No work, no kids of the derech, no divorce cases. If you die on in beddin, you should be very happy that nobody called all week. Now one divorce case. No get, no problem with the marriage, no mamzerut, no two partners wants to kill each other. The phone did not ring all week. May will stay like this forever. Who is going to pay for the bad din? Don't worry. I shall have plenty of money. That's, Rabotai, the difference between someone who is a truth seeker of the truth and someone who is seeking for other things personal benefits. Itro, the Torah is impressed by Itro for one reason. He tried every Avodah Zarah in the world because he was busy searching for the truth. You may ask someone that worship every possible idol is such a despicable Rasha. There's two ways to look at it. Yes. Reality, it's a a fact. There's no idol he left alone. But what's behind it? Why was he doing it? He saw over here, there's no truth. He went to the next one. No truth. Next to the next one. next Went to the next one. What? Why did you come to be Jewish? I tried everything. I tried more. Islam didn't work for me. Christian didn't work. Krishna didn't work. Hinduism didn't work. Buddhism didn't work. Scientology did not work. I tried every possible thing. It's all baloney. Now I came to try Judaism. Are you impressed by someone like this or no? You should. Every day of his life he was busy searching for the truth. What penalty someone like that has? Huh? Before he came, what penalty the Torah gave him as a Gentile who was an idol worshipper? Death penalty. So I don't get it. Something here doesn't add up. You have two, two Israelis. No, one Israeli and one Goy in India. Goy in India. The Goy wakes up one morning. In a, in a, he wakes up and he looks up to the sky. and looks at the sun, big ball of fire. And he says, dear God, I don't know where you are. I don't know who you are. My guess is that you are this big ball of fire. So I'm going to start praying to you every day. Comes down on the mountain, sunrise, he bows down to the sun. He prays God, he thinks that's the the God. Dear God, I love you, you're so beautiful, you're round, you're shiny, you're warm. You're such a great father. Please give me hell, please give me children, please give me a wife, please give me this, please give me that. I praise you, I love you, you're great. Every day. Then you have the Israeli in Tel Aviv dancing on a truck with a flag, rainbow. (laughs) Hey, what are you doing, Itzik? Don't talk to me, religious. I don't believe in God, I'm an atheist. The question now who is a better human being? This field on a truck in Tel Aviv? Right? Or this Indian who bows down to the sun every day, searching for God, praising God, thanking God, requesting from God. Which one of the two is worse? Anybody thinks the Indian is worse than Itzik? Don't be embarrassed. Raise your hand. Everybody agree that Itzik is much worse than that Indian guy in India who bows down to the sun? You're 100% right. There's only one problem. They both have death penalty, according to the Torah. The guy who bowed down to the sun is an idol worshiper. Yes! What motivates him is searching for God, being grateful to God wanting to be a righteous Gentile. He just said, no Torah. He never learned. He doesn't know who's God. In his mind, he thought, that's the God, that's logical. Rambam writes, this is of the Ekochavimu mazalot, that penalty. And this gay in Tel Aviv, same thing, that penalty. But which one is much worse in the eyes of Hashem? Of course, you're all right. The other one. The question is why? He should have known better. He's in the Holy Land. There are thousands of rabbis around him. There's millions of YouTube videos everywhere on the side. This rabbi, that rabbi, this one, this seminar, Torah and Science, Torah Umadah, this, that. Demonstrations of religious people. Cousins that became Baal Neighbors are religious. Today I got an email from my husband and wife in Israel. There are two buildings in one neighborhood. One building, every one of the tenants religious. The next building, everyone secular. Last Shabbat, 4 p.m. One of the families in their terrace on Shabbat barbecue. Mangal, grill. They wrote a nice letter and they want my confirmation if they should send this letter to this family. Next time, if you don't mind to to uh, to consider to be considerate to our feelings, we're all religious in this building, the smoke come from your house into our apartment in Shabbat. Would you be kind to wait two more hours after Shabbat finished before you turn the mangal on? Should we send that letter or not? Cases like this you have in Israel. That's the cases. Here... If you go to Boropar, everyone religious. You go to Williamsburg, everyone religious or Goim, Yes, around Montsey, everyone religious. You don't have cases like this that often. But in Israel, it's very common. In one building, you have 50 tenants, 20 religious, 30 not. It's loud music, these cars honking, neighbors coming, beeping. You have to raise children in such an environment. Difficult. He can't tell the kids, oh, goim, Here, your, your kids see cars on Shabbat. What Abba? Why people drive on Shabbat? Queens, right here. What do you want? They goyim. They're allowed to drive. Oh, the kid understands. What are you going to say in Israel? hears they speak Hebrew. It's his own cousins. There's a lot of challenges, Rabotai, raising children, a lot. In the end, What will keep the children religious or not is the amount of love and caring that you have for them. Most of the people today in the world, unfortunately, are not so smart. Because a person is not smart, he operates from his heart. People that are not sharp in their brain usually operates mainly from the heart. 90% at least of the people I met in my life operates only from the heart. Not only women, also, children and also a lot of adults. As results of that, a lot of the teenagers and that goes off the derech in the end is not because they don't believe in God. It's not that they don't believe in a religion. This is all excuses. The main reason is negligence. Nobody cared about me. Nobody believed in me. Nobody gave me compliment. Nobody showed that he really cared. And that's why a lot of these kids also go to drugs. That's the next step already. One thing is to rebel against the religion. Next thing is to begin to make tattoos and piercing and all kinds of crazy haircuts. To, because out of pain. It's all out of pain. That's why all of a sudden, as soon as they see somebody religious that cares about them, hug them, invite them, give them respect... If you remember, one time Rav Duvi ben Susan told the story that some one person called him from Lakewood and he was ready to go for Shabbat somewhere with his family in a car and he said to him, there's an, an emergency, I want you to speak to this boy. And he said to him, listen Rabbi, I can't, I'll do it next time, but now we are already packed, we are on the way to Brooklyn. No, it's an emergency. After a conversation, he realized that this boy was actually the son of that Rabbi. He never said his name, so... And then the boy came to him with hair and this and that, and he said, what am I gonna talk to him? I'm not gonna stop, man, I'm gonna prove to him that Torah is divine. He's a son of a rabbi. He grew up probably really. In the end, they started to talk about music, and this kid was like a guy. He's talking about goyish music. He's singing to him songs. I don't know his violin. I don't know what kind of an instrument. I don't remember all the details. And in the end, what saved the soul of that kid was that he gave him a hug and showed him that he cared about his music, even though it was garbage, goish music, nothing holy about it. But for the first time, this boy felt that somebody actually cared about him. And then right away, that day, the father called him and said, what did you do after years? My son came home and he said it's time to return home and keep Shabbat. He said I did did not do anything. I didn't talk to him about religion. I did not prove to him the Torah is divine. All I did is hug him and told him that his music is beautiful. And that's it. That was already enough. Why? That's what I say. People today operate from their heart. That's why today is more than ever, more than ever critical to just show your family, your kids, that you care about them. You care about them, you listen to them. Even if sometimes they speak total nonsense, and it'll make no sense, even then you must pretend that it's the most important thing in your eyes. I told you once a story that a boy was trying to show his father that he got a hundred on a test, and every time he came to his office when he came home, the father said, I'm busy now, don't you see I'm on the phone? The boy came again and again, few times, gets on his nerve. Oh, you're annoying. Don't you see I'm busy now? After half an hour, the father got a call. He did not recognize the number. He picked up, hello, he said, ah, hi Abba. Yes, who is this? Itzi. Where are you calling me from? You were just here. I went to the neighbors to call you. Why did you go to the neighbors to call me? He said, because I realized the only way to talk to you is on the phone. You never have time for me, but all day on the phone. So I went to call you. That's when the father realized he went too far. This was a very clever kid. They went to call him on the phone. He got him actually, you know, he pinched him. I have to call you because that's the only time you have for me. You know, when people are on the phone. So now, like I said, it's not anymore about they don't believe, they believe, they don't believe. It's all, people are very hungry for desires. It's all about have, have, have. I want to swallow the whole world. That's really what it is. And therefore, people make a lot of excuses against the religion because to justify... The hungry way of swallowing everything they see on their way. And the second reason is almost everyone is messed up in his head. Anxiety attack, panic attack, low self-esteem. And no one is happy with, it, with himself. It's, going, it's, it's only becoming worse and worse. That's why today saving souls is becoming different than what it used to be. It's more today about personal relationship, attention, compliments. That's what it's all about. That's why women, many of them after they get divorced, they leave the religion and they become anti-religion. They remove their cover, everything, and they become like goyim. What? You were a rabbit son for 20 years, fanatic, all the tehillim, you saw so into religion, what happened all of a sudden? because they all so hurt, their heart is so broken, that once the heart is broken, the mind, if the mind used to work, now it doesn't work at all. That's it. The brain is frozen when the heart is broken. That's why the cure is through the heart. Through the heart. Oh, I remember you, you're so great, this, that we want to invite you, you come, We give them attention, they ask stupid questions, it's a wonderful question, wow, such a nice question. That's it, you got to give attention to people. The more attention you give them, the less weaker they'll be. That's the bottom line, Rabotai. Hashem will help us, we'll see how we're going to come out of this curse that we have on us for 11 months already. I want to remind you to download my app, because uh, I don't know how far we go with YouTube or Facebook. Facebook we hardly use anymore, as you can see. Maybe YouTube also. So like this, the app is secure. You download my app, you go to the App Store, Apple Store, or or Google Store, you put Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi, you see a, a blue square with Star David. Just click on it, it's free, download it we're going to have a lot of new things coming on the app. And soon we're going to have live broadcast on the app. We won't be depending on social media anymore, of all these wicked liberals. We will have our own social media, meaning we will do full broadcast to all the people that are on the app, and only to them. Nobody else will be able to watch lectures, just people that are on the app. The, the fear that I have is that one day they will remove the app from the app store. Remember these wicked people controlling us. All these Democrats, all these liberals. As soon as you say one word against a gay person, they mark you as a threat. Flag, red flag. They can remove you from the app store. You saw what they did to uh, Parler. They removed them from the app store. Those who had it already could use it. Those who did not download it yet cannot download it. That's why I say download the app now. You have it, you're secure. What's going to happen a month from now? Only Hashem knows. What? What? Right, parlor. Not Parler, I'm talking about my app. <laughs> Parler is the last of my concern right now. We, we worry about Torah. Torah, spreading Torah. Do you know how many pages you have of Hezbollah and Hamas and Iranian and jihadists on Facebook and in all of the social media? Do you know how many millions of pages? Do you know how many Nazis you have on Facebook? There's no problem with Hezbollah, with Hamas, with Palestinian jihadists, with Iranian uh, genocide uh, leaders. No problem with them. There's problem with Religious, decent people who speak what the Torah say. They are a threat. President Trump is a threat. You understand? So come on, don't look for honesty in this world and don't look for the truth here. This is Alma de Shikra de Gmarase. But we'll survive until Mashiach will come and clean all this dirt. Baruch Adonai la Amen. Amen. Rabbi Hanani, Amen.